0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister and host of the show, and you can check out everything we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. This week I am joined by Blister reviewer Zach Henderson, making his debut on the podcast to talk about a bunch of the stuff we've been testing of late. And as it so happens, as we kind of touch on here, that happens to be a bunch of big enduro bikes though we are also reviewing a lot of other stuff that we just can't tell you about quite yet so stay tuned lots more stuff beyond just these long travel bikes coming up very soon but zach and i kind of get into it about the chromag lowdown orbea round ibis hd6 and Nikolai nucleon 16 that we've been spending time on and go through our early impressions on those so lots to get into here and without any further ado let's get right to my conversation with Zach. Well Zach great to sit down and chat about bikes after I guess we just went for a ride the other day and did a bunch of it then but doing it on mic now so uh, welcome to your bikes and big ideas debut and looking forward to kind of getting the rundown from you. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, first uh, first podcast, happy to be here. Um, I know I've kind of been flying behind the scenes for a little while doing some stuff with Blister, at least on the site, um, but uh, happy to join you for one of these live productions.
0: Yeah, glad to have you. So, well, we're kind of doing a rundown of some of the bikes we've been spending time on of late, and as it so happens, this one's going to end up being pretty focused on some bigger enduro bikes. It's not all that we're testing right now, but some of the shorter travel stuff we can't talk about quite yet. So stay tuned for a lot more on some other odds and ends that we're not covering here. But for the time being, um, yeah, kind of enduro bike roundup time. So I guess the first thing that I've been getting some miles on is the Chromag Lowdown, which it has been pretty interesting. So I spent a bunch of time on the Darko, their shorter travel full suspension bike, uh, last year. Read that. That's up on the site. And found it to be, like, a very interesting, kind of quirky bike. Something that's not going to appeal to everyone, but that I personally really got along with. And basically, the sort of short version of that is that the Darko's uh, 120 millimeter travel bike built around a 150 travel fork, and it's predominantly made out of steel. Apart from the chain stays. So... Kind of unusual construction, unusual travel layout, and it's notably super, super aggressive as far as 120 travel bikes go. And then the lowdown is the bigger bike in the lineup, 158 rear travel, built around 170 fork, so more travel, more evenly matched travel front to rear. And it does, in some ways... Remind me of a bigger Darko, but it also kind of feels a bit more conventional than the Darko. Not as much of a massive outlier from the rest of the market in terms of how it rides and feels. And like the Darko, it pedals fine, but not especially well. The lowdown, though, feels sort of more in line with normal for a 160 travel bike, whereas the Darko felt Kind of not super snappy for a 120 travel bike. The lowdown's not notably efficient, but not notably inefficient either. Just kind of middle of the spectrum, pretty typical on that end. But when you start pointing it down, it is a very stable, very kind of game on bike that just wants to go fast, isn't super engaging in lower speed, tighter stuff, but is manageable enough and just first and foremost really feels like it wants to go fast though and it's planted it's really smooth in terms of just like muting out small chatter steel frame probably helps a little bit though it definitely does not feel like a super notably flexy imprecise thing either it's pretty stout Uh, and in contrast to the darko the lowdown's a full aluminum rear end whereas the darko's got steel seat stays so a little bit of a construction difference there too you know who knows how much that is driving exactly what i'm feeling so far but um it's just feeling pretty intuitive and pretty straightforward for a big enduro bike that is definitely on the chargier more stable less kind of versatile all-rounder and engaging and slower more rolling terrain kind of end of the spectrum for that sort of bike but uh, thus far feels like a really nice take on that sort of thing
1: yeah those have been a uh an interesting bike that i have been seeing an increasing number of i would say kind of up and down this corridor and up into the sea to sky it seems like something that's really tailor-made for for this area as kind of a winch and plummet type of uh type of bike i'm curious i mean you know i guess not this year yet that we will see but but the last year at least has been somewhat the year of the steel bike um over here uh as far as what we've been spending some time on i got some quality time on that Cotic rocket max last year um i know you were on the starling you are now yourself a proud owner of a steel frame bike um in that contra and the Reeb's
0: diesel too that we both rode a bit
1: and the reed that we both rode as well yeah you're right um I noticed, I mean, between the Rocket Max and the, and the Reeb, at least a certain sort of poise and, and quietness that it felt like the maybe or maybe not was being lent by the uh, the smaller diameter sort of steel tubing. I'm curious, like, you mentioned that you don't really necessarily feel like the, the lowdown has been as markedly unique in that way as far as the feel goes. But do you think there's anything there that... Yeah,
0: probably. And, you know, comparing the... Rocket Max to the Stiesel. I'm curious if you agree with this, but I feel like the Rocket Max felt more the way you were just describing, kind of more notably smooth and probably a little bit kind of muted in terms of its ride quality. And there was some of that in the diesel too, but not to the same extent. Uh, I would say that the lowdown also has a little bit of that going on, but it's not, Um, as pronounced on that bike as it is on the Rocket Max, especially or the uh, Starling Murmur that I rode last year too that you mentioned. Like that's a that bike feels kind of notably flexy in a way that has some pros and cons. I guess Um, full reviews up. You can go read that for the more detailed version of my thoughts. But um, yeah, I think the Lowdown has a little dose of that in the mix, but it's not super dramatic. It feels by and large, pretty normal in a good way.
1: Yeah, I think another another reflection on that too is that, I mean, I know that I remember hearing from you that the Starling in particular has a very, uh, a more bendy or forgiving feel in some, in some regards, um, more compliant, I guess is maybe the word. Whereas these other bikes that we're talking about, I believe across the board all have some element of an alloy rear end or uh, aluminum rear end, I should say. Um, aside from, I think the Contra does not, uh yeah mostly yeah. not
0: really yeah but the contrast is a little weird because the rear triangles sort of two different pieces and it's one of them's aluminum but it's steel seat stays and chain stays yeah. so
1: yeah it's still just part, interesting really. to see some of these mixed metal experimentation going on so i'm really curious to hear how you get on with that lowdown as we go forward
0: yeah don't have a ton of time on it yet but uh a little bit starting to spend time on it there. I guess not as of our recording, but by the time this airs, I'll have a flash review of that up and um, more to come in a bit as I get more time on it, but, uh, kind of just getting started with that one. So, um, much more to come soon and well, to move it along to stuff that you've been spending time on and have more time on than I have on the lowdown at this point, you've been riding the new Orbea Rayon a bunch. So tell us about it.
1: Yeah, that, um, I imagine we're probably a month or so out if I had to guess from a full review. But like you said, I've been getting quite a bit of time on that bike. I've had uh, probably a couple months under my belt so far, um, if memory serves. And it's been an interesting one to test because uh, you and I both spent a decent amount of time on the prior iteration of the Rayon, which um, sort of the Cliff's notes of that is that it was a notably sharp and precise feeling uh, enduro bike that... I think both of us agreed would do well as sort of a quiver of one type bike in most people's, uh, lineups that are looking for sort of an enduro bike to do it all. So the pedaling was particularly efficient. Um, it wasn't, you know, it's 64 degree head angle on that original version. So still quite slack. Um, but it wasn't quite as radically slack as some other bikes are that are coming out more recently. Um, and I think that just because of how efficiently it pedaled and uh, sort of the more rounded and reasonable nature of its angles, it really just felt like you could ride it almost anywhere pretty happily, do all day long rides, lots of vert, that sort of thing, um, and still be able to ride some pretty gnarly terrain on it. Um, it wasn't the most forgiving bike, uh, for sure. It felt like you had to be a little bit more game on. Um, and so, you know... What Orbea seemed to be seeking to do with this updated version um, is to maybe inch it a little bit more down the line of a earlier but also more forgiving uh, enduro rig that plays more to sort of the stereotype of a modern enduro bike. So the angles have slackened out a bit um, in the low setting, or I guess it's low and lower on that bike. Um, lower is a full 63 and a half degree head angle. So, uh, half a degree slacker than in the steeper setting. Um, the bottom bracket drop, uh, kind of like the prior one is still uh, pretty significant. So the BB feels quite low, um, in the, in the lowest setting in particular. Um, and it's still, uh, they still are doing sort of the cross compatibility between a 29 and, um, mullet. But the, probably the most notable change aside from, this, uh, from the head tube angle um, is the increase in travel. Um, it was a relatively small increase, 7 millimeters. So it's up to 167 millimeters um, instead of the prior versions, 160. But at least in my experience so far, that 7 millimeters has made a more significant difference in the ride feel than I maybe thought it would. Um And I haven't, you know, overlaid the kinematic graphs or anything like that to really see exactly what's going on if there's other changes in the leverage curve. But I will say that the bike tends to feel just, as Orbea sort of hinted, more forgiving, more stable at higher speeds um, than the outgoing version, and generally a little bit less fatiguing to ride. Uh, Consequently, it is a little bit less engaging on some of the flatter and more rolling trails. that you might encounter it you know it feels kind of more like something that's wanting a little bit more speed kind of at all times um, to feel at its best um, and it tends to hang out kind of in the middle of the travel maybe a little bit more than the other one did which felt notably poppy and, and precise this one just feels more muted and, and honestly you know I think Orbea was quite forthcoming with that being their goal as creating just something that's more of a modern race bike and I would say that you know if I was taking a bike to go race an Enduro, I would probably take this new version. I loved the prior version as something that just sort of stood out for how precise um, and nimble it was, but this new version really is just, I think, a more solid entry into what a modern Enduro bike is associated with being, um, and it's ultimately easier to ride at the limit um, because of the changes they've made.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I have not been on the new one yet, but basically fully agree with everything you said about the prior gen bike. And so, I mean, it kind of sounds like what they've done, as you said, is just make it more planted, more stable, more just a go-fast bike in general. Which, you know, given that it is positioned as their Enduro race bike makes some sense, on the flip side, maybe makes it feel a little bit less special in The ways that it stands out from the market as a whole, because the prior one really was notable for just being, as you said, really efficient, really lively, still a bike that you could push hard and ride in some burly terrain for sure, but very notably versatile for a 160 travel enduro bike, and yeah it stands to reason that it would lose a little bit of that in becoming a more planted stable thing so you know whether or not that's a good thing it's going to depend on what you want to do with the bike probably but uh checks out generally and you've been toggling back and forth between the mullet and 29er setup a little bit on that too uh any particular notes there anything that stands out
1: yeah so the bike um showed up in the mullet configuration as the stock build. And um just a few weeks back I I converted it over into uh the 29 inch guys. So spent a solid month or more um in, in mullet mode, which I think you and I are generally aligned on mullet not being our chosen uh our chosen arrangement on most bikes when given the option. Um, but I will say I was I mean we talked about this a little bit with the prior version as well being a really good iteration of a, uh, a mullet bike, or at least a bike that can convert between both wheel sizes. Um, that trend continues for sure with this new one. Um, I was really surprised by how natural feeling, um, the mullet version felt without having some of the tendencies that I think other bikes that, um, that are more easily converted to a mullet, uh, tend to, tend to show maybe more of the drawbacks that they tend to show, um, as far as just how the, um, how the bikes handle when cornering. Um, it felt like Orbea has done a really good job on this bike of kind of preserving the geometry. And I think that that's why they go with that full separate shock yoke that you have to install, um, to, to configure it as the mullet setup. So it's not quite as easy as a flip chip per se. You have to install that entire separate, um, shock yoke uh, to to convert it to mullet. Um, but I was really impressed with the bike in that, in that setting. I felt like it did really well in particular on trails where you kind of want to dig your heels in and, uh, and they're much steeper and you're kind of riding a rut on the way down. Um, one of the trademarks of a mullet bike, at least in my experience, is that the back end wants to step out a little bit more easily um, just because of that reduced contact patch. So that's not really something you can ever totally get around. But Mullet fans, I think, would find a great companion with with the Rayon, um, both the prior version and now this new version continues that trend. Um, I did also play recently with the... So there's the two geometry settings for the 29-inch wheel as well, the low and the lower that I mentioned. I've now spent time in both of those configurations as well. Um, And the low setting, which I'll refer to as the high setting, because that's just confusing otherwise... Um, The higher setting does, I will say, bring back some of the nimbleness that I felt a little bit from the prior version. Again, because you're bringing the head angle back to 64 degrees, which is what the prior version had. Um, Seat angle gets a little bit steeper. Bottom bracket comes up a bit. Uh, It still doesn't quite have the same blend of um, uh, eagerness to corner that the prior version had. I think that's because... The higher version, the higher um, geometry setting on this bike brings the BB up just a little bit more from where the prior one used to be. So you don't feel quite as uh, connected, I think, with 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 the ground. Um, but it does, you know, for folks that are looking for a more nimble iteration of an enduro bike, you can bring a little bit of that back with the geometry settings that that Orbea offers. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I was gonna sort of. Bring up the bottom bracket type thing again, because that was, to me, one of the things that really stood out about the old one. The fact that it was, in the lower geometry setting, which I definitely preferred it in, it had a very low bottom bracket, but then not an insanely long wheelbase, not crazy slack head angle, etc. And also a pretty stiff, precise-feeling frame, I would say. And that combination just added up to a bike that... You could just, you felt really low and in and could load up super hard through the pedals, but wasn't a million miles long and crazy stable. And so the kind of combination of those attributes just made it really, really sharp handling when you were on it in a way that I loved. And so I'm not super surprised that the higher setting on the new one, which makes the geometry more similar to the old one in most respects, apart from that bottom bracket height, would maybe lose a little bit of that super low-in-the-bike feeling where you can just rail it really, really, really hard in the right corner. But, you know, as always, trade-offs, pros and cons. So um, kind of interesting to hear that little bit of a rundown. Um, well, as, as you said, we'll have... There's a flash review up on the site now that you wrote. We'll have a full review... In a bit, not quite ready to write that one up, but uh, coming along. So, and well, to move it along to a bike that uh, I also just started spending time on, so we're very much in the early impressions phase here, but that does, al- in some respects, but not totally across the board, actually remind me a little bit of the old Rayon, uh which is the ibis hd6 it's their new-ish biggest enduro bike uh dedicated mullet 165 rear travel with a 180 travel fork and um not over-the-top aggressive geometry again and um 64 head angle 435 chainstays across the full size range so On the shorter side, especially as you're getting up into the really big ones, they make, well, they call it size five now, but sort of effectively a double extra large with a, I think it's a 541 millimeter reach, if I remember right. So a like really properly big bike fit wise, but then still short chain stays on that, which seems interesting. Um, Anyway, I'm riding the size three, the kind of rough analog to a large in those kind of nominal sizing schemes and uh it's it pedals super super efficiently really snappy the fact that it's barely over 32 pounds complete helps it's silly light for a big enduro bike and it's got you know it's the top end xx transmission build so pretty light stuff there carbon wheels but it's got a 38 and then float x2 and a double down rear tire with an XL plus front so it's not totally silly light stuff but and net result is a very very light bike for what it is travel wise and everything um and it just feels very snappy very lively very quick handling for sort of general class of bike the thing that really makes it not feel like the old rayon is that the kind of Sweet spot in terms of body positioning doesn't feel super big, which kind of given the combination of a mullet and pretty short chain stays doesn't hugely surprise me. It's definitely a bike where it's it wants you to be over the front end quite a bit and kind of slashing the rear end around. And it's pretty easy to get sort of too far back on it and have the front wheel lose grip just because I think the rear wheels tucked under you pretty far and you really do kind of need to stay over the front end on it but very quick handling and sharp if you do that right um the thing that's which is you know depending on your riding style may or may not be a good thing i guess uh and the thing that i haven't quite figured out yet and i don't have a ton of time on it yet so certainly we are in the preliminary takes here and i very much reserve the right to update this as i mess with the suspension settings more but did a bit of fiddling and I have haven't really gotten it to feel very kind of supple or grippy in terms of the suspension performance. It feels firm off the top and like I'm using full travel, both ends, it's not like I have it set up real stiff, but um just emphatically firm off the top and lively, but not very planted or grippy, which and you know, a trade off thing. But also sort of pending messing with suspension setup, so um not ready to say that that is a hundred percent inherently how the bike is, but have been messing around with it a bit on the setup front, and that has been a consistent through line of what I've tried so far anyway
1: interesting yeah i I'm not surprised to hear it pedals well, that's kind of the the ibis trademark uh feeling um that they seem to really really strive for. I'm curious I mean it is becoming increasingly common to see size-specific chainstays across a model range. So it's interesting to see that they opted to keep one uh, one standard chainstay length. And frankly, a, a chainstay length that's quite a bit shorter, I think, than what is becoming the, the average um, uh, across most enduro bikes. W- one of the things that really stood out to me that I'd love to hear you talk about a bit more is the, the difference in um, travel between the front and the rear. But more specifically, the fact that the front is a 180-mil fork, that's a—that's quite lengthy, um, even amongst the field of enduro bikes that you tend to see sort of sitting more around 170. Um, have you felt like there's, you know, that does the bike still manage to feel pretty balanced despite that that difference, or specifically that very long fork? Um, how's that been going?
0: Nothing super stand-up so far. It's got a very short head tube, presumably, to kind of compensate for that fork length. So... The, it's not like the front end feels especially tall. The stack height is pretty moderate, pretty um, even actually a little on the short side, just because of how stubby the head tube is. It does maybe, again, this is something that I think where my take may change as I kind of do more suspension tuning work on the bike, but it does feel a little bit like, especially because it's a bike where you do need to stay over the front end a bit, the combination of that plus the relatively long travel fork for you know relative to the rear travel and i guess just in general does mean that it does feel like kind of there's a pretty delicate balance of being way forward on the bike and keeping the front end gripping but then occasionally you'll kind of hit like especially on really steep rough technical stuff you'll hit like a hole and the bike will hang up a little bit and your weight will push forward a little bit and the fork does kind of feel a little divey under those circumstances at times and because you're already kind of far forward on the bike or tend to be given its preferred balance it you got to be a little careful to kind of catch that and hold yourself up a little bit and um the fact that it's got a fox 38 on it which um You and I have talked about a bunch and are sort of aligned on feeling like the high speed compression damping on those could be firmer, like the grip Two dampers, the, the new ones anyway. Um, as of a couple years ago, the VVC version just tends to have pretty light compression damping tunes. And, um, that is, I think exacerbating that tendency a little bit, uh, it's just hard to get a super firm compression damping set up to kind of help hold it up when you're slamming it into holes so again only have a little bit of time on it and i'm definitely uh not all the way dialed on suspension setup so i think there is definitely room for me to improve a bunch of that stuff but it is taking a little bit of doing and doesn't feel necessarily the most straightforward straight out of the gate i guess
1: yeah, I, I imagine that um, there may be some interesting comparisons once you get some time on this this latest Rayon to see uh, how that feels, because both notably efficient feeling enduro bikes, um, I would say, at least based on the prior version of the Rayon, I have not spent time on the Ibis yet. I'm hoping to at some point potentially, um, but uh, but I've heard that that is quite an efficient feeling bike as well. So it'll be interesting to get those comparisons. Um I do just want to give a quick shout out to Ibis for, uh, for speccing a double down rear tire at the very least. Um, you just reminded me that one of the (laughs) things I've, uh, I, I had to address pretty quickly early on with, the with the Rayon was the, um, the XO plus tires front and rear, um, on a 170 mil Enduro bike are just, uh, they don't, they don't have much of a place, especially out back. I'm only 160 pounds. I can get away usually with a lighter casing front tire, but on the rear tire in particular, it's, uh, there were some, um, there were some interesting moments, I would say, some some noises coming from the rim uh, on some rougher trails when I first got that bike. So um, nice job, IBIS product managers, uh, throwing a double down tire on the back of that thing, at least.
0: <laughs> I guess while we're doing that, a uh, bigger shout out to Chromag for putting double down max grip tires at both ends of the low down, just going for it. And the the IBIS does have a max terra Asagai front, which is maybe... little less sticky than i would like on a big enduro bike and but you know as you said certainly better to have the double down rear at least on that sort of bike so you know not gonna complain too much um and yeah very much with you that anything that light doesn't really have a place on especially the rear of a bike that burly so um fair note there and, well, I guess to bring it home with the fourth and final bike on our docket for today, we've both got a little bit of time on this one. Um, again, not a ton. Just picked it up pretty recently. But we've got the, uh, while Superdrive equipped Nikolai Nucleon 16 in for review. And, well, I guess let you kick this one off since... You got the first ride on the uh, long-term review bike. I do have a flash review up on the site from when I got a single ride on one over the summer on a pre-production version of the bike. But uh, yeah, got the real production bike in now and are spending some time on it. So Zach, early impressions there?
1: Yeah, yeah. I um, I I remember when you first got uh, first turns on that on that pre-production bike because I think that that bike in particular broke a lot of people's brains when it first came out with the advent of the Supra Drive showing up on arguably one of the most exotic frame manufacturers in the world, um, known for their particularly beautiful welds and uh, often intricate designs. So um, that's been a bike that I, you know, I was curious if we would end up getting one. I know there, there aren't many of them. I think Lau only has two that they're circulating out there for folks to ride. So um was pretty pleased to have a chance to go pick one up in Vancouver this past weekend and, uh, and get that um, in for review. Uh, I I will caveat my comments by saying that the ride was the wettest ride I have maybe ever been on in my life. Um, It felt like I was literally breathing water um, with how much was mist was just filling or falling out of the sky that day up in uh, North Vancouver, but um, was able to give the bike a fair shake uh, out on some of the, some of the trails out there and, you know, it's, it's a really interesting bike. I think that the Supre drive was, um, right off the bat, almost unnoticeable, um, as far as how it performed, which I was very pleased with. Um, I think modern drivetrains are excellent across the board. I think there's definitely an argument for the rear derailleur being in harm's way, um, which I know was a major reason that the Supre drive, um, was sort of developed by law. Um, and they've done a really great job of preserving a lot of those, uh, the the crisp shifting that comes with a modern drivetrain. They're running an XT, um, a Shimano XT rear cassette, um, the 12-speed with their sort of latest iteration of Hyperguide Plus. And you get all the shifting benefits that come with that drivetrain. Um, still really nice um, uptake uh, on your upshifts um, and downshifts. And I honestly was very, very surprised. I, I will also say that the bike is incredibly quiet. Um, the trails in North Van, especially on Mount Frome, are literally just granite highways of like hand armored trail all the way down. Um, and the bike was dead silent, like just rattling over all that stuff. Um, the only thing I could really hear was like all the crap in my fanny pack bouncing around. Otherwise, the bike was just dead silent. So I was I was really impressed. I think that from a from a fit standpoint, there are a few things that I just didn't really get a chance to play with on the first day um, that I would love to tinker with. The the bars that were on there were fairly low rise, um, and to compensate for that, the stem was run pretty high on the steerer, so the, the top tube length felt a little bit cramped while seated for me, um, and I also felt like the bottom bracket was maybe a touch high. Again, I was riding some pretty funky trails, um, so... I, uh, I, it wasn't anything that I was completely used to, um, as far as terrain. So I couldn't totally benchmark it exactly, but it did feel just a little bit, um, short and tall, uh, as far as like how the bike was riding. Um, but I know that we're going to have an opportunity to, you know, dial in that fit, uh, over the coming little while. And so I'm curious also, if, uh, you've had a chance to maybe do a little bit of that tinkering in the last few days that you've had it
0: yeah so i was gonna dive in there so um my hunch would be that yeah one i've put a slightly longer stem and a little higher rise bar on it already to kind of just even that out a little bit um which i think helped basically you know move the stem down on the steer tube a little bit and still net brought the bars up a tiny bit um given the higher rise bar so that feels better to me um i do suspect maybe that some of what you were noticing about the bike feeling a little tall was probably in part at least uh just the spring rate on the rear shock being a little heavy for you um the test bike we has got a fox dhx to coil shock on it and uh I'm a little heavier than you are. The spring that's on there feels borderline, kind of close, but maybe even a touch heavy for me. So I would imagine you were just not really running quite enough sag on it and sitting a little higher. We've got some lighter springs to mess around with. So I'll be trying that. See, I'm not at all convinced that I actually want to go or will end up preferring going lighter, but I want to at least try it and find out. But... um. I'd be surprised if you weren't better off with a slightly lighter spring that was on it right when you first rode it. So I think that's quite likely, at least a significant piece of the puzzle there. The like in terms of actual measurements, the bottom bracket heights super normal. I forget exactly what I checked it at, but it wasn't. It is not in fact an outlyingly kind of tall bike. So um, I'm sort of banking on that just being set up on your end rather than anything super inherent to the bike and. Um, but yeah, totally echoing what you said, I think. It is the Superdrive looks weird. Uh, the kind of complicated, crazy machining on the frame sort of adds to the whole wild Rube Goldbergy vibe aesthetically. But in terms of actual performance, it just feels mostly really normal, but also remarkably quiet and sweet. Yeah. Um, the shiftings it really I means using an xtr shifter and an uh, xt cassette like you said and it really just pretty much feels like a normal shimano hyperglide 12 speed setup um which is great all all for that uh because that stuff works really well and um in terms of the performance of the bike itself more i'd say um it does feel like it pedals pretty notably efficiently also for what it is. It's um, definitely not as sprightly as say the HD six that I was talking about a minute ago, but it's also like eight pounds heavier. So as built, and that's including it's got cush core at both ends and it's got a coil shock with the basic non SLS Fox spring that weighs a gajillion pounds. And um, so, you know, it's not, there are definitely ways that the bike could be made lighter if you were uh looking to do that. As built though, it is just barely under forty pounds, like thirty-nine point nine, I think. So, um it's partly, but so it doesn't feel unsurprisingly given that, it doesn't feel super snappy and quick to accelerate, but as a sort of winch and plummet bike where you're, you know, very often going to be grinding up stuff at a uh, moderate but consistent steady pace it actually feels very efficient and you know quite happy to do that without much fuss on the way back down i'd say the suspension feels smooth and pretty planted but it's not necessarily some like ultra glued to the ground monster truck of a bike that's impossible to get pop off of anything or anything like that it feels it's a high pivot bike and definitely feels on the more planted ish end of the spectrum but not some crazy wild outlier on that front either uh the handling i'm still kind of working on the setup a little bit in terms of cockpit stuff but it feels like it's very stark contrast to the hd6 say um biased a little bit towards being ridden kind of a little bit more centered and upright i think uh just change days are moderate long pretty rearward axle path definitely a bike where you can kind of set your hips back a little bit and stay more centered on it and have it feel balanced that way rather than you know needing to be over the front a bit for example like you do with the hd6 um but you know i guess the biggest through line is that it's a really crazy looking bike but one that actually feels quite normal in a lot of respects and uh just excited to get a lot more time on it because as you said we're kind of just starting testing there and need a whole lot more time but um you know generally finding it to be pretty intuitive pretty straightforward and uh generally pretty easy to get along with now that i've got a couple of the little setup things that uh, didn't feel quite right on my first ride on the pre-production bike especially sorted out a little better so it's going well
1: yeah yeah no i'm 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 really keen to hear uh how you end up getting along with it over the next while and how you get that setup dialed um a couple things that i forgot to mention when i first started talking about it um it's worth noting that uh, i believe it can be run as a mullet or a 29er it's set up as a mullet in the current version. Um, at least when I wrote it, it was still as a mullet. So
0: no, it still is. Um, I would be keen to get it set up with a 29er, but it is a super Boost bike and I don't have a 29 inch super Boost wheel handy. So I'm going to need to figure that out, but, uh, we'll be trying to make that happen.
1: Yeah. The standard of the future that just hasn't quite stuck just yet. Um, the, uh, the other thing too, that's worth mentioning, I think, um, is that, at least that I thought was really cool. Um, I was talking to Cedric from from LAL when I picked the bike up and he specifically mentioned um, that he developed his own derailleur clutch for it or equivalent of a derailleur clutch for the bike um, that is uh, just kind of struck me because I've had a couple of different Shimano derailers kick the bucket somewhat recently due to the clutches wearing out. Um, he has developed a hydraulically uh, controlled, clutch that at least in theory is like sealed for life um and should run forever so i thought that that was a cool bit of engineering on his part like how he um was able to sort of take some of the best elements of a shimano hyperglide plus drivetrain and then iterate on the pieces where he could um to make something that should in theory be mechanically superior uh (laughs) at least in that regard so um yeah it's a very very cool bike uh the Nikolai manufacturing and all of that is obviously very striking. Um, I could not stop staring at the linkage and everything like that. Just like all of the very intricately machined pieces and stuff. So it's definitely one that you'll be getting some questions about at the trailhead. I am sure
0: so far kind of wrote it on a, like slightly rainy midweek day, a couple times. So things were pretty quiet when I was out, but, uh, I am sure that will be changing at some point and, uh, it's going to draw some attention. No doubt. Uh, But yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, it looks different, but I actually think it it is a pretty sharp looking bike, um, the, um, you know, people, I think, have been kind of inclined to sort of see it and go like, whoa, that looks super complicated and weird, but it's not, you know, actually, it's different, but it's not complicated particularly, it's, um, you know, it's got same number of pulleys as a normal high pivot bike, or actually even one fewer, if Uh, You're talking about a high pivot bike with a roller chain guide, lower guide, Um, and, you know, as is want to do, there's a lot of intricate machining in the linkage and rear end, Um, but, you know, it's machined aluminum parts, it's not like it's uh, stuff that's going to require maintenance, it's normal number of pivots and... um, big bearings and I've owned a couple of Nikolais now and they're they've done a consistently excellent job of putting secondary sealing on all the pivot hardware so the bearings stay protected well and they use really big ones that hold up great and all that kind of stuff so um you know it does seem like a bike that is really well thought out in terms of just being durable and easy to live with and um I am kind of curious to pull that hydraulic damper out of the down tube where it lives and take a little look at it to sort of see how that's all come together. But, um, you know, it is coming across as just a very impressive and creative bit of engineering. That's been well thought out and has some good stuff going on there. So excited to spend some more time on it, but, uh, that's that for now we'll have a flash review of that coming up in a little bit once i get a little more time on it but won't be too long now and obviously you've kind of gotten the bit of the early rundown from us so well with that i think our work here is done zach great chatting with you as always and thanks again for coming on great to have you and excited to have you kind of around blistermore and people will be seeing more of your stuff we'll say so very pleased for that, and uh, looking forward to doing it again sometime soon.
1: Yeah, happy to be here as well. Um, we'll talk to you again soon, and excited to, to see how all of these bikes that we've got just a few days on continue to play out as the weather hopefully improves here soon.
0: All right, that's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas, and as always, we would appreciate you leaving us a rating or review in your podcast player of choice to help keep the show going and growing. I'd also like to say thanks to Zach for the conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing the episode, and thanks to you for listening. From all of us at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we'll be back again next week. Bye, everybody.